Hi, my name's Sean Taylor. This is my friend Chris Ford, aka The Objective Geek, who looked like he was doing some meditation there during the opening <laughs> sequence. I wish I would have caught, which is, it's appropriate, actually. Uh, maybe not for this episode. Certainly for the next episode, it would have been wildly appropriate. Go ahead and break out those yoga stretches, Chris. I'm not going to judge you. I wasn't doing yoga. I was trying to, you know, there's the theme. I was trying to time it perfectly to the, and it plays right before this. I'm pretty sure I didn't. I, I don't know because I actually can't hear it while it's playing, which is kind of strange to... Uh, it's one of those things that's like a media type that just plays during that time, but it doesn't output into my speaker. So I just hope it works. Uh, it seems to work. I don't know. It seems to show up every week. There's a lot of things. I wonder if people know... Uh, let me just put this out there. If any part of the podcast seems like lazily done, it is purely me. It has nothing to do with Chris. It's me going out of my way to avoid editing after the fact and rendering, you know, uh, an hour and a half of video or whatever. I try to do everything in OBS while recording. So if anything seems is, before, cheap or lazy, it, right it's, before it's all each me. Episode, right before each episode, you can hear your mouse click. <laughs> 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 so next time, you can listen for it. Oh, <laughs> man. I never noticed and then that the music now. Goes on. Now I'm embarrassed. Uh, I'll get I'll get like a silent mouse. I I will go out of my way to buy a silent mouse too. The, the difference is when we output the recording uh, from OBS, which is like the streaming recording software. I don't have to do anything to it. If we do it well, I can just put it straight on YouTube. But if I have to put it, if I had to edit it, I have to put it in the software, in the editing software, which takes a certain amount of time. Got to actually edit it, and then I have to render it and, and create the output file, which Sometimes we talk for a really long time. If you've listened to us before, you know we talk for a long time. And some of those files take, you know, an hour to render. And I don't even know what to do for an hour because usually it's time for bed. So uh, I, I'll spend $30 on a silent clicky mouse to get rid of that sound. <laughs> if it means I don't have to edit, it is worth worth my time. But I, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be like, you know what? It's because we're organic. We want people to get the real us. Uh, but it's really just laziness. <laughs> that's my long-winded intro chris how are you uh i am doing great yeah great i just passed a hundred thousand views on youtube so that's pretty cool i saw that congratulations pretty... it's worth pointing yeah, out okay. uh, that chris also has like a real job and like two young children <laughs> two adorable young children and he does other things too so a hundred thousand. That's very exciting to me and to you. I I hope it's exciting to you. It is. No, it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh. So, take that in some context when you get excited about a hundred thousand views. Uh, podcast viewers. It's it's a big deal, Chris. Uh, you. I think if you go back and watch like your original work versus your most recent stuff too, I think that your improvement is very noticeable, and I think you've done. Uh, I always think your videos are good, but I think you can see a noticeable improvement too, and that's exciting. It feels good to feel good, like you, know? you do yeah. things better. Oh, no. I watch some of my old videos, and I, I cringe a little, especially my early reviews. Um, it's funny because my Ready Player One review, I had this guy who always commented on my on my, uh, on my my videos, which is great. Like, it was always fairly good comments and stuff. All the comments have been good. But on my Ready Player One review, he was just like, you need more energy. And I took oh, that yeah. as, like, very constructive feedback. Like, oh, well, thank you for letting me that. And then, uh, and then, like, like a month went by, and you watched Ready Player One. You did a review uh, as a rebuttal to my review. So then I went back and watched 
my review after I watched your review, and I was like, holy crap, that guy was right. I do need more energy. I was, I hate that review. <laughs> I don't even um, know if I ever intended for you to see that review. I was just testing a microphone. Let that be but a no, testament you know, to like, is... oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just no, going to say, let that be a testament. <laughs> I, I let that be a testament to like constructive criticism on YouTube is actually super duper nice. Not just meaningless comments or the great work yes. or whatever. All appreciated. But uh, when it's constructive, even if it's simple, that sh- that comes through. Yeah. So it makes sense. Then I try and like just do simple things. Like you notice that I probably, I stand up in a lot of my reviews. Cause when you stand up, you just are like automatically, I don't know, more voices and you're, I don't know, you're more a little vibrant. And sometimes I still do review sitting down if it's on a more thoughtful or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just always trying to get better, get better at editing, which editing is, is a lot of hard work. Although I love editing a lot of times. It depends on the video. I don't like editing movie reviews because it's just kind of boring. But I do like editing like some of the Avatar videos, some of my meaning and media videos, because those are more like telling a story with editing. Um, it really, really makes me uh, admire like editors who actually like in film industry and stuff like that. It's like, oh, well, if you put in this music at right this amount of time and you, you know, edit in a certain way, you just change the whole feel of the video. Um, I'm not that great at it to say, you know, compare myself to that, but I can see how that tool is used um, effectively and how without it, um, you know, your videos can kind of suffering some quality. It's but, interesting uh, to hear you say that you enjoy editing the meaning and media for uh, more. I would have guessed the other way, but I guess when you think about it, the movie reviews are probably way more dialogue driven yeah. or not di- uh i guess dialogue versus story like movie reviews yeah. being a dialogue and the meeting media being a story a narrative being told i can i can see that um yeah, I, when it comes to editing movie reviews are just like all right can i just stop saying something stupid just come up with just say a very cohesive thought i know you said it you idiot you said it i remember me saying it um, but I didn't timestamp like, when I said it, but I know it's in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When it comes to like those more scripted things, because I like I write out my script and everything for those reviews, like it's much. And then I record just a um, I just record a voiceover for that, and so that's a little easier because I'm like, oh well, it's a lot easier for me to say words off of a piece of paper than just saying words into a to camera off a few bullet points. But anyway, long story short is that um, I like editing certain things. And I put a lot of work into YouTube. I put a lot of work into a lot of hobbies that make me no money at all. But that's fine because I have fun doing it. As a, uh, hobbies, uh, it's purely a passion project. <laughs> your, your hobby that makes you money is your day job, fortunately or unfortunately. Uh, well, true. hey, con- congratulations on the 100,000 views. Um, I probably have like a grand total of, I don't know, like 15 YouTube videos and maybe a grand total of a thousand views. <laughs> maybe, maybe that might be, that might be, unless we conglomerate all of the podcasts and I get to share those with you. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. Then, Rise of uh, Koshi was like, bump it up. Uh, Rise of Koshi, we have like, uh, that's full review. It's like 2000 there. Or, Boom. Uh, which Just doubled my, my, that's account. like at least. I think that uh, who's the best avatar one we did has like fifteen hundred, two thousand. Um, so yeah, so you know I'll be willing to share in that. Although now that takes away my 
So I have 102,000 No, no, no. Now. It's a, it's 100 percent both ways. We don't have to split them down the middle. Oh, perfect. It's 100 percent both ways. In in here, at least. In reality, yes. it's on your channel. But that. <laughs> let's be real. That's the best place for him. Hey, I'm I'm the most proud of any video we did. I'm probably the most proud of the Kyoshi review, uh, just because it was really cool to go so in depth with a bigger piece of material. Um, I mean, that'd be yeah. like talking through a whole season of Avatar or something. Like, <laughs> it'd be crazy. So, I really enjoyed yeah. that, and I'm glad that so many people watched it. That made me. I don't know. It's very gratifying. Yeah. But yeah, that that's enough mushy mushy intro stuff there. I think <laughs> getting getting myself all worked up here. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get out of the out of the thing. Don't look at my desktop. Spoilers. Yeah, peek behind the Spoilers. Curtain. I don't know why I went. Man, now I feel silly. Hey, there's the Earth King. Which, by the way, brings us to this episode, which is episode 38, The Earth King. We already talked about some Chris's latest works. Uh, no, we didn't. Chris, what have, what have you done lately? <laughs> now I'm just uh, trying to I skip things. Yeah, you are, you lazy bum. Well, um, I'd, I'd say I'm going to edit that out, but I'm not going to edit that out. No. Avatar-related things. Uh, my latest video is the 10 things Netflix live-action show could do to improve on the perfection that was the original, which I get it. I know by definition, you can't improve on perfection. It's just a, just a way with words. Um, but I really enjoyed doing that video. More than anything, I really enjoyed a lot of the responses, a lot of comments on there, because a lot of people chimed in with what they think the show could do uh, to be better. Uh, whether they agree with me or, or not on, on things, that's fine, because it's all about just having that conversation and, and that dialogue about that's things that I enjoy the most. So thank you to anyone out there who commented on the video. And any um, any kind of constructive comment is still a positive comment and something like this. Like it's all people supporting the idea yeah. and that's very exciting. Yeah. Like someone disagreed with me about Aang. Uh, Cause I said like Aang's character needs more. Uh, he doesn't have a, he, Aang doesn't have a great character arc. I think, I think he's a great character. Like he has a great uh, personality. Yeah. He's very you know, nuanced and everything, but as a character arc, his arc is fairly flat. At least I think so because He's not, his beliefs aren't challenged in a way. Um, he is the same, he has the same beliefs when he first started out and when he first ended, which is great. Some characters are like that. Um, there's a, uh, uh, the writer, there's a certain writer, named, oh, I forgot her name. Anyway, she wrote a book on about writing character arcs. She says that um, the positive change character arc is all about the main character um, confronting a lie that they tell themselves and once she said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes absolute sense. And every single you know, movie I watch or anything like that, when I feel like the character has a really great character arc, it's all about the lie they tell themselves. Like for Zuko, the lie he told himself in, in the beginning is that, you know, he needs his honor back, get his father's love. You know, we'll talk about Korra. Her lie that she, that she tells herself is that, you know, she is the most powerful, as the most powerful person in the world, she can do anything and, and save the world through that. Uh, and by the end of it, both those characters have confronted that lie and don't believe in that lie anymore. Um, and like it's also similar to the movie Inside Out, you know, where Joy thinks like, oh, Joy is the best emotion there is. And then by the end of it, you know, she's like, oh, well, no, Joy is not the best. All the other emotions are very important as well. Um, but anyway, my, <laughs> my point Wrong. of that is saying that someone, <laughs> yeah, someone was just like, no, I think Aang has a great character arc, arc very nuanced and everything i was like well yeah he's he's a great character but his arc is flat and because of that i think the show could do more to not necessarily um make him change his 
his beliefs and everything, but at least make him more impactful on others, which I don't feel like he has like that great of an impact on everyone around him. Like he has a great impact on the story, but not necessarily a great impact on what people believe. Like he doesn't change the hearts and minds of people. I kind of would like the show to do that. I think at best he kind of just maybe digs his feet in more firmly into his own beliefs by the end, which is represented in how he, no no spoilers, but how he closes, (laughs) uh, closes the third book. Um, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't change that because I like, I like when characters are, are firm in their beliefs, even though like the whole resolute, world is telling them, yeah, even though the whole world is telling them, hey, you need to conform to, what the world is now. Like the world has been at war for a hundred years. Like if Aang changed his beliefs, he would have killed Fire Lord Ozai, um, for better or for worse. Um, but I like the him as a character is like, no, I know better than the world. Um, reminds me a lot of like Mulan, right? Mulan. I feel like has a fairly flat character arc, um, but she goes through a lot of stuff. But by the end of the movie, she, her beliefs are the same, right? She believes that she should. That she didn't change that much. Everything. She maybe just convinced a few. Uh, well, I suppose Mulan was probably more influential in how her beliefs yes. affected other people. Than I think, Aang, but I think so, right? Like by the end of the, I think every single character in that movie, except for Mulan, has a character arc. Um, like her dad, like he's always um, like. Honor means everything. Like, I don't care about my life. It's all about honor. And, you know, at the end of that movie, you know, he goes to, Milan brings him the physical representations of honor, which is the sword of, of the big bad guy and the medallion of, of the emperor. And, like, he takes it and just throws it to the side. Like, and he hugs his daughter. Like, you are, you know, my one love, you know, the best thing in my life. Pretty much epitomizing honor doesn't mean anything. Um, every character kind of goes through that, whether they change their beliefs in women um, and their roles in society. Like every single person in China does that. By the end of it, they all are bowing to Mulan, a woman, um, because she changed the hearts and minds of everybody. All right. So her character arc, her beliefs didn't change that much, but she changed the beliefs of everyone. So I feel like Aang could do more to change the hearts and minds of everyone around him. But. I wonder if, you know, after book three, uh, and you probably have some kind of answer, but I'll get to the comics at some point, uh, sort of the aftermath of his decision with Ozai. And, you know, if we just don't get to see some of that in the movie of his effect, not his arc, I agree with the part about his arc, but maybe the influence that his decision has on people around him. And maybe that's present um, in the comics, or maybe it's not. But I'm I'm looking forward to finding out, I suppose. I don't really feel like it is. Like, is everybody just mad at him? Like, man, you should have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one, no one really brings that up. Um, in the latest comic book, which I think is one of the better ones for, like, the Aang storyline, um, he deals with, like, taking away the bending of Ozai. Like, someone was like, yeah, you should have killed him. Um, no, like, what? Like killing him would have been a mercy. What you did was worse. <laughs> right? was taking away his bending. Because uh, this art, this story was it's all It's kind of awesome. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this villain lady uh, Ang was Ang was deliberating whether he should take her bending away and uh, she's like no I would rather die than you take my bending away and then he's like wish granted <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> it's oh uh, you know air nomads air nomad teaching is like no killing unless the person asks you to if someone is asking you a request how you as an airbender are not going to honor their request. Pop cap, whatever. 
I actually was yeah, thinking... He pulls out a gun. <laughs> right, he's not going to kill her with bending. He's not going to disgrace airbending like that. He's going to use at least firebending, and so it's more on-brand. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not until next season, but I don't know why I thought of this, but uh, on the um, the Painted Lady episode, it's like, it's with these characters, these sort of serene guardian spirits and things, not just in this show, but in anything that has something similar... It's always like this, uh, like a serene, all-knowing kind of spirit that's just got nothing better to do. But like, what if that spirit was more like just an average middle-aged person? Like the painted lady just strolls up to the town and like, what in the hell do you guys want? <laughs> like, I got, I got other spirit <laughs> things to do. Like, can we, come on, what's up? <laughs> um, and I don't know why I thought of that. It's just like, all these spirits are always like calm things. Uh, like town protecting guardians and things like that. Uh, uh, I can't think of other examples off the top of my head. When I was watching it, I had a couple, but we'll get to that episode. That's that's a whole <laughs> season away, and we've got jam-packed lots of com- content in between now and then. I can put off my middle-aged spirit dreams for another time. <laughs> um, I will. Uh, the only other note I have is that we've got some for- show format changes in the works that we're going to test. They're not permanent changes. Want to try something? But I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger. We'll talk about that next time, actually. Let's let's save it. I'm a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Because next time... Save is, it. Lead, lead into save that. Save it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's, too, that's too... What does he say? That's too much. That's too much. First, I'm going to push it. John I Mulaney. have AIDS. Oh, no, no, no. That's too much. Don't lead in with that. John Mulaney, anyway. please be on our show. If, and... anyone, if anyone's watching this who don't know who John Mulaney is, please go oh. watch John Mulaney stand up. It is really great and it's fairly tame it is and he has a nice standards. wide appeal it's not uh like yes, don't don't yeah. let like 10 year old kids watch it maybe but you know i don't know pg-13 <laughs> uh yeah. and john mulaney if you're watching this know that uh, the diner lobster skit is my favorite snl skit of all time it's marvelous <laughs> anyways we'll go ahead and roll on into the episode because it's a pretty exciting one it is called the earth king episode 38 or 18 of book two earth chris you want to walk us through the episode yeah sure it starts off the game is just got apple back like um you know things are going good right for you know soccer things like all right we can finally go and until earth king everything and other members of team avatar like katara's like hey maybe we should just cut and run you know while we can um, but they're like, and that they seems agree, like, like right, let's it go. seems like what they should do. Like they do a pretty good job of like, we just escaped this horrible trap. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, but then Sokka does manage to convince everybody that jerk. Yeah. Even I'm ready to be out of bossing. Say I'm I'm done with it. <laughs> Worst city ever. Yeah, <laughs> I um, agree. So then they all decide to. <laughs> they all decide to go. <laughs> to the Earth Kingdom Palace, which I absolutely love this scene. It is pretty good scene. It is. Yeah. Um but and I watched commentary on it. Like they're they're so right about it, how this feels like it shows how far everyone has grown in their powers. You know, it's kinda like these they were saying like it's kinda like these superheroes versus all these just henchmen. <laughs> Like they're they're nowhere near on the level of these kids. Innocent henchies, though innocent ones, like just yes. doing their job, yes. kind of henchies. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
gosh, like when the first every single moment in this is just really cool. Like Aang, like he sees a big boulder coming at him on Aqua, he just like bends it <laughs> away. Um, and I love like they're they're so weirdly ruthless to these people, and they're apologizing as they're going on, like completely destroying them. That's my favorite part is the fact they're like kind of casually. Well, they're making it look casual and easy, but it's not. You mentioned it's very ruthless. They're just demolishing yeah. their way up to the castle or up to the the palace. Is it a castle or a palace? Yeah. I'll call it a palace. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the whole palace. way, they're just sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like to every single uh, person, they bend away. Yeah, uh, and Angus come a long way in his earthbending too. Like he does some really great earthbending moves. Like I love him and Toph blocking these earth like they just like take these random like pillars up to block and it just visually it just looks so cool uh, and then when Katara like she takes out she takes like a whole freaking like moat yeah it was a moat she just like water bends all these guys no she she grabs them with the water puts them down in the moat and the Aang right behind her like freezes the water freezes them shut there uh, and then and one of my favorite moments is office on the like the huge freaking stairs i just love this visually like there's things flying at her she just like just she flattens the stairs it just and then they go up there like this scene is just it's it's an amazing scene it's like a fight scene but not like i don't know it's a very unique fight scene it is it's unlike any other fight scene let's put it that way yeah yeah um, and then finally, they get to uh, they get to the Earth King, and and uh, Longfei shows up. He says like these people are here to uh, here they're part of some coup to take you over. Me, and my people have been tracking this <laughs> these uh, these people for a long time now. Um, yeah. I love the moment Long that Aang Feng is such a is jerk. Like a, uh... <laughs> and not he's not even like yeah. his motives are so so like childish like I want to rule the city but secretly like I don't know. He's kind of lame. Yeah. But um, I hate I hate him and that's the intention so I suppose mission accomplished. Yeah, I love the moment so they they <laughs> they arrest them all. Um, and then Longface says, take the Avatar and his friends and lock them up. And he goes, oh, the Avatar. And Aang, like, takes his hand out. <laughs> he undoes the hand <laughs> so easily. Uh, gosh, I love how airbenders, for some reason, always just take off their handcuffs. I mean, it also is to show, like, hey, yeah, you had me locked up, but I'm purposely locked up. Um, He's and not really more concerned about it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they prove, you know, the Earth King, who I think looks like Stephen Colbert for some reason. Yeah, I can get on board. With, although he's got a ponytail, right? It's so like Stephen Colbert. It's hard little, to tell. A little yeah. more tan and a, and a little longer hair. I can see that. I can get on yeah. board. Yeah. Um. Geez, what the heck was that? Uh, oh, the so they ha- uh, the Earth King doesn't necessarily think that they're telling the truth and they finally prove it by uh, Aqua's bite mark on Longfei's foot. They try to prove it that he doesn't. I love this uh, he says it's an unfortunate birthmark, Longfei. Uh, yeah. He doesn't, the Earth yeah, King doesn't think... take that way, right? They got to go show him, what do they show him? Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. The wall He's, or something? I think he believes that Aqua, 
Well, he believes that Appa did buy him. That doesn't. That still doesn't prove You're everything right. else about You're the right. war and, and stuff. They like um, show him the tooth shape, and, and he's like, "That doesn't yeah. prove that." Okay, I remember. I love, that. You're right. I love this. I love this interaction though. He's like, he he sees the footprint or the bite mark. He goes, "That proves it." And Team Avatar goes, "Yay!" And then he goes, "But that still doesn't mean I believe you." And they go, "Ah," and he says, "But I'm open to." Uh, open to investigating this. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's like a very <laughs> muted noise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is great. Yeah. Bosco seems then... to like it. Like when he doesn't trust Aang right at right at first or whatever. Yeah. When Longfang's yeah. arguing against Aang, and then Bosco like goes up to Aang and licks him or is playing with him or something. It's like, all right, well that's good yeah. enough rationale to hear him out. <laughs> Hashtag King Logic. Yeah. Uh, no, so then they first go and visit the uh, Lake Bao guy, but the Dali has destroyed it at this point to cover up, uh, cover up the evidence. And he still is like, "Well, I don't. Of course, you know that's convenient for you all, so I don't believe you." And then Aang promises to he can take a ride on Appa um, to the next place. So they go and see the drill. And then once they see the drill, you know, he's like, "Oh." Yeah, this isn't good. And, that, and then Long Fei comes up <laughs> and he tries to explain. He's like, oh, this is just a construction project. Well, what is this Fire Nation signia on here? Well, you know, we can't. <laughs> we can't make this domestically. <laughs> like, it's one of those things of, like, you have to, like, put down your own country <laughs> to, to, for, to form this lie. <laughs> Long Fei, you a coward, man. <sighs> yeah. You know, the citizens of the Earth Kingdom will probably be the I mean, that wouldn't be the best. The Fire Nation does have the best technology. They're the most tech forward. But that also yeah. makes the most sense of how, like, the Earth Kingdom. I don't know. I'm like fire. Like fire powers things. I don't know. It makes sense. Yes. Whatever. I think. I think that's the biggest thing. The fire, of itself. You know, can yeah, like you said, can if power you start things, a fire, it can self-sustain power something else. Whereas, like uh, even airbenders or waterbenders would have to keep pumping air or water through something. I don't know. It's a weird way to look at things, yeah. but that's how it works in my head. Like that's why they're industrial yeah. ahead of schedule. Yep. Uh, so then they finally arrest Long Fei, and of course, Saga says, "Long Fei is long gone," and then he laughs, laughs about himself. Like, oh, I've been waiting to use that one. <laughs> we do get some solid Sokka episodes in the next couple. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love, yeah, these couple episodes. I do like Sokka a lot. He's he's come a long way. Um, Good job, Sokka. Yeah, and then on... Is that it, really, with Long Fei and, and them? Oh, um, so... Yeah, well, it's a little bit more with Long Fei. arc, but... Yeah, I think even within this episode, by the end of it, the Dai Li, um, which visually wise, they do a really good job of showing, uh, of painting the picture here. The Dai Li agent like slips him his food, but like it's like really gourmet food, right? If he was a real prisoner, it would just be a slop. Um, and that's to show like, oh, you know, that's to visually show you immediately that they are still with him. And, if, and then, they, you know, audio wise, they tell him like, you know, the generals and the Earth Kingdom soldiers are loyal to the king, but we are loyal to Long Fei. Um, and Long Fei knows that he's still running things. Yeah. So that's how his um, part ends there in that episode. 
Uh, and on the flip side of this, we have Zuko going through some things. He's going through uh, the metamorphosis that you know, Iroh tells him. You know, he, he first falls fever, sick with a fever and everything, because he doesn't feel good after um, letting Appa loose. And, and I love how Iroh is kind of narrating this, because Zuko really doesn't have much lines at all throughout throughout this part. And it's actually a, a really said. quick subplot, too. Like, it's it's spanned out over a few scenes, I guess, but it's actually a pretty small subplot in terms of, like, time distribution. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's funny how these last couple episodes, like, hasn't been that much Zuko, but there's been a lot of Zuko character movement within his arc, um, even though, yeah, he hasn't been in these episodes that much, probably 20 to 30 percent of the time has been i think that's a fair guess but like high impact high impact character character development yeah um and i love how you know iroh says you know you are going through such a change in yourself you're going through a metamorphosis you know i'm familiar with it so that must mean that iroh went through his own metamorphosis because iroh wasn't he wasn't a good person before necessarily he was still, he had some type of kind heart in him, but he was, you know, as a creator said, he was a fierce general, you know, which is interesting to think that he now has a tea shop. And by the end of the show, he has a tea shop in Ba Sing Se, um, and he's out as General Iroh. Like, if I was, if this was like real life, he would not be invited <laughs> to, not only invited to the city, but actually own a tea shop. Um, like, his war that he did only what five years ago that he that five? he attempted or his siege ended or something like five yeah. within, yeah, a, like life, five years within ago. a lifetime that's for sure i, I don't know the yeah. timeline but it was recent it was zuko's been banished for three years so i think before that was probably two years that his mom uh was uh was banished and so i think it's only been like five years right so sounds accurate um, so, yeah. so oh wait no yeah yeah so Iroh just five years ago was laying siege <laughs> to to this city which means but they don't know he's Iroh if not right I think people people know he's Iroh like remember when he was uh, when they caught him in that first episode Winter Solstice Part 1 um, the Earth Kingdom general was like oh you're General Iroh like we had to cut your arms off and stuff like that. Like they knew who he was, and they were fairly, I think, low, gen- low people in the Earth Kingdom. I mean, they weren't low people; they were soldiers, but you know, they weren't higher up that knows everybody. You know, they were just regular people. I mean, Iroh was pretty famous. I mean, he was the Fire Lord's son. He was going to be heir to the Fire Nation. I mean, like even I know Prince William and stuff, right? <laughs> That's funny because <laughs> I do not. I I didn't take any implication. What? I. I couldn't name him. I mean, if you put his caption on the photo, I could read it. Uh, I actively avoid most uh, most news, and I'm really sorry. I try to keep up on specific uh, integral politics, but I generally avoid news, and that makes me feel bad to say it out loud. Uh, sorry. I mean, I just thought you would know what Prince William looks like. Uh, maybe I could pick him out of a lineup if he was well-dressed and the rest of the lineup was like a typical cartoon lineup of of prison people or something i could maybe pick him out uh but i didn't take any implications that anybody knew he was iroh did you like in the uh, episodes I, yeah and those, and those um 
from the general didn't know he was Iroh because they say to him like you laid siege to Boxing Say, like they like they're pointing a finger at him. You know when they captured him, it was about to cut off his hands and stuff. Like, they knew it was Iroh. I can't remember. You said that was at the end of season one. Uh, that was Winter Solstice Part One because that's the episode that Iroh sees um, Roku's dragon, even though it's spirity. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's well, something I mean, I, I, but I'm pretty a... oblivious to things like that. So whatever. <laughs> or not oblivious in this case, totally forgetful. But I'm also oblivious. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, he's he's making his way up the bossing say ranks, which is impressive yeah. for an infamous person. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just pretty sure they would not let him. Like that's like letting a war criminal. Like, he is a war criminal, all right. This um, stay I would think in so. the city that he laid siege to just five years ago. Um, but it's a show, and I don't, you know, they weren't. I don't think they were worried about that. And even if they would be grateful, oh, well, thanks for saving the city. Also, like, well, thanks five years ago when you tried to destroy us. And thanks for failing. People died, I'm sure. <laughs> thanks for <Yeah>. failing, loser. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. good good fight. Oh, yeah. And even Toph knew. Toph knew about Iroh. Because um, when, when, uh, when the guy, when the uh, Earth Kingdom general... Uh, and they're attacking with a drill, and he says, like, oh, this is called Ba-Sing-Sei, not Na-Sing-Sei. No one has ever penetrated our walls. She says, the Dragon of the West penetrated your walls. Um, and so... That's I funny, think, because she it's... knew about Iroh, but then I don't think she recognized him as him when they meet up previously, and then when they meet up again in the near future. Like, I don't... Uh, so, I mean, well, so when she when they meet up in the future, I think that's full circle. But like when she met him previously, I don't think she had connected those dots. Yeah. No, yes, right? yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I guess when they meet the next time, it's obvious. <laughs> so obvious, a blind person can figure it out. <laughs> Sorry, Toph, low hanging fruit. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how we got on that subject. I, but, I don't know uh, either. Just... <laughs> I'll take the blame. My <laughs> bad. No. It's... Um, oh, I remember. So Iroh was talking to Zuko about how he's going through a metamorphosis and how Iroh went through one himself. How he'll come out to be a beautiful prince that he knows that he is. Um, and Zuko's... I'm really enjoying... I really enjoyed watching these, even though I feel like this metamorphosis is highly irrelevant to the story. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I'll get to it in a couple episodes. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I have feelings. Uh, great, um, but you know I love him. Like seeing himself on the throne, no scar or anything. Right, this is kind of his what he imagined is what he needed. I love the dragons, like the two dragons. Yeah, there's the blue dragon, which is clearly you know Azula tempting him, and then the red dragon. I love how they're talking, but like there's no mouse moving, and it was a great. Uh, choice animation wise because dragons talk like a hallucinating sequence yeah yeah like yeah um and then the azula dragon is like so freaking daunting like sleep prince Zuko, sleep just like mother like <laughs> there's some dark 
stuff. Like, it's just a pretty terrifying sentence. hallucination. Just that sentence of sleep, just like mother, implies that internally, this is what he sees Azula, that she not only is fine with her mother, with their mother being dead, even though she's not dead. Spoiler. She's fine. I mean, she, it is. She, spoiler. like, yeah. yeah, she, like, encourages it. And she encourages her brother to sleep just like their mother. That's that's just really dark, even though that's not Azula, but that is Zuko's internal uh, re- reflection, portrayal yeah. of Azula. Yeah, well, it's a good thing they get back on good enough terms to go to the damn beach together later. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to have Jamie on that episode. <laughs> I, uh, we probably do, because I despise it, and she says it's one of her favorites. So I think if for no other reason than and, the, that dichotomy... I think we'll have to ask. And I that. honestly could do without it. Um, and I like it. That's fine. No, but I, I actively, I actively hate everything about it. Active. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll make that happen. Sorry, I'm get. I keep thinking of all these future. Sean, focus on the episode. Hey, got a good episode right here. I gotta focus. Uh, and Zuko has another one. So he wakes up from that dream, right? And oh wait, he does. Here, he, he does. That, There's that, a second that, that sequence. He wakes up. And he and he touches his face. He touches his scar. He's like, oh, like there's a moment there of like, oh, this isn't a dream. Like, oh, this isn't a dream. I still have my scar. Like they keep hitting you over the head with like this scar is a physical representation of of Zuko's dishonor. And for some reason, this time rewatching Avatar, that hit even more for me. Oh. And I've always known about. The significance of that physical portrayal of, of Zuko's what, scar, what his scar represents. Um, but this time around, for some reason, just you know, you know, you just watch things, and, and this time around, this really stood out. Um, and then his next hallucination is um, him waking up, and you know they do this very slightly, right? He wakes up, you only see him from the the neck down, shirtless, which I guess. Zuko fans like that. Um, <laughs> he's a well, he's Zuko. a well-built well, kid. Yeah. Um, and I do love this moment because it's just like so an ordinary day in life, and he like splashes his face, and he looks up. Scar's gone. He has an avatar. Uh, he has Aang's arrow tattooed on him, and then he wakes up again, um, just really distraught. And it's just really, I just find all of that really interesting, and even though. I don't think it's necessary for the story. I still really enjoyed seeing it. It's uh, let's like nice, but not integral. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I won't argue with it. It's it's interesting just to, if nothing else, just a glimpse into some of Zuko's inner workings. I think the metamorphosis part is like overdone. Like just when I say metamorphosis part, I mean literally like calling it a metamorphosis sounds makes it sound like this big deal and they try to make it that mm-hmm. way in the next couple episodes but in the end yeah. it seems a little overblown but in general i like seeing zuko's inner workings that's pretty cool yeah and they portray it really nice the best animation in the episode even fight not fight sequence aside it's really good animation in the dream sequences mm-hmm. it's just different enough to stand out i guess and then uh, the close of the episode is, uh, I guess, the start of another subplot. Uh, there's not much to it, but we should at least note it. 
is at the very end of the episode. Um, I don't remember how it goes, uh, but something about the Earth King has visitors. They're called the Kyoshi Warriors, and Aang says, yeah, those are my friends. Um, and so, yeah, so the Earth King brings them in. Yeah, uh, real quick before that, uh, once they finally get the Earth King on their side and everything, um, they start formulating this plan. Now they're like, well, now we gotta, we gotta break up, right? Because they get some information that that Long Fei been holding from them. Um, uh, that group, the group, the letter from Group Atik that was on Appa's horn. Um, there's a message from Toph's mom saying to meet her somewhere, and then there is just a, like a some type of message saying that. Um, a certain troop of the Southern Water Tribe will be in like Chameleon Bay. So now it's like, oh, well now Team After has to split up and go do these things. Which is like so sad. Like they finally got the group all back together and now they and now they have to split up. Um, and then right right as they're leaving, oh, we forgot to mention this part. Um, Aang is trying to tell Katara that that he loves her. Oh, um, oh, that that breaks my heart. Poor, <laughs> poor kid can't catch a break. He finally musters up the courage. That's why. That's how. That's what they said on the commentary. They're like, ah, oh, Aang. Yeah, we've been there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, most of us have been there, man. We're sorry. Oh, Not I, me. I've never. I've. I've never been close to telling a girl how I felt about her because that would require me to put myself out there and. uh I mean, I, I did it eventually. I was going to say, aren't you uh, married? Uh, <laughs> I've talked about you having kids earlier. I actually have a really good story, and I won't share names. And it's nobody you know, actually, so it's not important. But she was talking about the first time that her soon-to-be husband said, I love you. And she's she's like, you know, I wasn't very good at that age at like dealing with my emotions. And she said, I chose to respond, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't know um, what, if it, that is is worse or better than like the and I like spending time with you like I don't I don't know which one's worse think, but ditto is I think ditto's that, better. Do you think that because if if you mean it it's it's good. Yeah. But uh, I laughed really hard and it turned out she was actually like like seriously uh, not grieving about it. It's been a long time, but I felt bad for it. It wasn't a funny story. It was a real one. And my laughing was poorly timed. But For some it, reason, when you told me that, it's not a funny story. It made it funnier. Because <laughs> you can... Because I laugh at things. I find things funny. But hey, people, moral of this story, uh, you know, don't uh, go tell your loved ones you love them. Yeah. But don't be creepy. Yeah, so then, yeah, then Team Avatar split up. But right before this, Katara gives Anga kiss goodbye, right? Mm-hmm. Like man, if I was Aang, I'm like, whew, that was a kiss of, of, I mean, as a, as a, not the, not like Katara or anything, just as a kid who, if you got any type of emo, uh, you know, any like, type of like mushy stuff, yeah, from your crush, like that's that's big. That makes your whole freaking year. It's not like a peck either. Like it's a good kiss. Yeah, there was some. Yeah, it was. It was. There was. She held it for a minute. Yeah. I'm going to say a good, like, 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 a full, full second. Like, maybe not yeah. multiple seconds, but, it, like, it, it, it was it was intentionally held. So it was a good kiss. Good work. Yeah. And way to go, buddy. Made his life. 
Yeah, so then they split up. And then I think... Um, oh, when is this? I think this happens in this episode. Yeah, I believe so. When... Uh, yeah, I just kind of watched them all together. Anyway. So yeah, I so by too. the end of... All yeah, these last three are going to lump together just a little bit, I think. Uh, but I do think it ends... Yes, it ends with the Kyoshi Warriors right as they're leaving. saying the Kyoshi Warriors are here. And then Sokka says to him, um, oh, Kyoshi Warriors are great, fierce uh, war- female warriors. They're you know our friends. They can be trusted. I think it's an interesting statement from Sokka because when Sokka first met them, he would not say that, right? Sokka was like very misogynistic in the first <laughs> couple episodes. And he's grown a lot. Way to go, Sokka. You're doing big things, yeah. buddy. We're proud of you. Yeah. I mean, if you get your butt kicked enough by girls, it will happen. I mean, you think about Azula's people, Ty Lee, um, May, Azula, like, he's seen Katara, Toph, all these girls put him in his place. <laughs> like, Suki. But Suki being the most important because Suki is a non-bender, like... That that that's yeah. probably the most uh, I mean, internally impactful to Sokka. I think the most important for his development. Yeah, um, he has been humbled to say the least, <laughs> time and time again. Yeah, one of these days I'm gonna do a video on on Sokka. I think I'll do it on Sokka and Zuko because I find a lot of similarities between the two characters. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna inspire a lot of ships. A lot of a lot of fanships. I know it's gonna be funny. Oh. <laughs> uh, that definitely, hey, that definitely does happen in this episode. The very end of the episode, we get to see that it is Azula, um, and yes. and May and and Tylee. and we also know from the previous the Appa's Lost Days episode that they uh, yeah. ran across the Kyoshi Warriors, and I think it's supposed to be implied that the Kyoshi Warriors get away, like I don't get away safely or whatever. Like I don't think we're supposed to think they're dead. Or anything, but they have definitely been massacred and had I mean, their that, outfits stolen. Yeah, the interesting thing about that is that I never thought about it at all. I never thought about what happened to them at this point. Um, I didn't think about what happened to the Kyoshi Warriors until Azula, you know, threatened Sokka in the Day of Black Sun of like, oh, your favorite prisoner, my favorite prisoner used to mention you in such an Azula manner. Um, what a jerk. Until then, until then, I just thought, oh, maybe Azula just like in her gang took them out, like knocked them out, and then took their clothes. But no, they knocked them out and then captured them, which I guess that makes sense Azula wise. I mean, she's not that deadly of a person that she would just kill them. And she's oh. tactical, you know, uh, yeah. bait, trade chips, yeah. whatever. She's, she's yeah. also, you know, she's very kid, kid show. <laughs> a number of people yes, die yeah. in this show. Don't get us wrong, but. Not everybody <laughs> dies. It's not Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's how that's how that episode ends. Ends on <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. Ends on a kind of a dire note. Like, all right, things were great. Now solid, we're going into this like yeah. uh, solid yeah. little cliffhanger from this one. Uh, uh, and maybe it's worth pointing out, like, it is a, a cliffhanger. The next two episodes don't go together, and we'll record them separately. Unlike the previous finale, which was like a two-episode deal, and the last finale, which is was it four episodes? Or four something? episodes. Um, oh, the real I think is three. Uh, but the next two, they don't go together, but it really does all kind of run together in like a big finale from here on out. It feels like they could be together. So in a way, this is a nice, interesting cliffhanger to a bigger finale. 
so to speak. Yeah, and really, I think all these episodes have just really ran together. All the like, really, since the library, I feel like all these episodes are just continually on top of each other. Um, I guess except for Tales of Boxing, say, um, but still, uh, it's it's supposed to kind of be an outlier, though, yeah. right? It's structure. Yeah. I agree entirely. It's a it's a really thorough story arc that runs together in a in a good way i think that's a yeah. good sign i would say especially which is like, like one of those go ahead it's like one of those things that we're, we're talking about in, in our group discussion about which season is better and i think i brought between season two and season three and uh and i'm and i'm and i'm not sure which one is better which is surprisingly because usually i have pretty hard opinions about <laughs> things but I see the merit in, in season three, I mean, in season two, and that, like, it is more of a continuing uh, story arc and narrative, while I, I do feel like season three is more filler uh, in there. I see myself but, taking a, a middle stance there, because when you say there's a lot of fillers in season three, I really do agree. And now that we're talking about season two, I hadn't really thought about it uh, properly, but I agree that it's a very solid story arc. Uh, but I think... Uh, I, I can't agree enough on the there is some weird filler in season three that I think standalone is okay episodes but they are uh, unnecessary or could be placed anywhere um, you can't really say that about most of these episodes that we've just seen in a row uh, but I would also still I probably will still air in season three for sheer impact and that there's a number of these episodes that like as a full storyline I maintain it's just not as important of a storyline um, so like, I'll probably end up in a middle ground uh, but I do agree that these all do run together really well and you can't really pick pick too many and say well this could be anywhere everywhere we say that a lot uh, but there's a string of like I don't know probably 12 or 13 out of the past 15 episodes that are really I don't know one after the other fit really tight mm -hmm. especially yeah. this one and the previous one and then like I said the next two uh, they all just blend together a little bit. So I'd say that's a good sign, a sign of good storytelling. Let's get to some uh, Yeah, but that's the episode. All right. Let's start with yours, as always. So audiovisual, um, I only gave this an eight. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, you say that like we did this like an hour ago. <laughs> I, I gave audiovisual an eight? I thought I gave story an eight. Maybe that did. did I get uh, it mixed up? Here, let me uh, uh, you go ahead and talk. Tell me what you would give it, and I'll check check my phone really quick uh, okay. to confirm. I feel like I gave audiovisual like a nine because of that first uh, that first action sequence. It's possible. But... I, I'm certainly uh, <laughs> capable of missing things up. No, no. Uh, I oh, oh, Chris, you did them out of order. That's why. Okay, uh, okay, okay. That's all right. I'll fix these. Um, <laughs> We will have to guesstimate on your on your average. Ah, that's fine. You are correct. Audiovisual should be a nine, and spoiler alert: story should be eight. I had them flip flopped. Okay, that's fine. I should read. Uh, well, actually, the, my bad. The thing is, we we do this all the time when I send you these. I think I always send it with story first because that's how I approach my movie reviews with the story. Which is probably first, the most then... intelligent way to approach it. Uh, man, I have no intelligent way to do it. Um, but you know, audiovisual. Gave it a nine, <laughs> um, all because just use your imagination. All, yeah, <laughs> audio visual. Gave it a nine, really because of that first freaking action sequence that I just love so much um, that I explained earlier in the episode. Story gets an eight. There's 
um, a lot of good stuff here. Um, and really, I think it just does a, does a really good job of, of moving the plot. Um, so yeah, so memorable gets a what does memorable get? They can get a nine. Yeah, because of that first action sequence, um, I can watch that action sequence on a loop for a while. It's just so so freaking good. Um, and then I'll, and, I'll, and I forgot to mention story wise, I liked all the stuff with Zuko and everything. Um, so that average is out to it's probably close. It's 8. probably 5. a hair lower given the weight of the story versus the yeah. audio visual. So yeah, maybe eight five, give or take. I'll fix it in the official ratings uh, because our top episodes list are so important. I'll make sure it's accurate, yeah. accurately reflected in our ratings. My, I was, you know, actually the more I'm thinking about, it, probably a little harsh on this episode. I don't love it, but just because it's. I don't know, it's kind of dull, I guess. I know we've got the fight scene at the beginning, but after that, it's it's a little slow-paced. So, like, audio-visual, we do have a really good fight scene at the beginning. I should have given more credit to the animation and the dream sequence because I really like that. But, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, story, again, it's... it's There's not much of a standalone story here. It's it's sort of a, a segue into the next story, maybe is a good way to put it. Uh, but I do find it pretty memorable. I do often think about the bite mark because it's very comedic and funny, in my opinion. Um, I really like the end when they all have to split up and you get like the Dobby, Longfang went like all Dobby and stealing the letters. And there's a lot of little things about this episode that I remember frequently and very well and I find enjoyable. It rounds out to 7.8, so it's, it's a little harsh, but it could also be like a like a proximity issue like it's surrounded by so many really good episodes that it doesn't stick out as well to me so it could be a bias in a bad way infiltrating my ratings all things considered 8.2 it might dump to like an 8.1 after we fix those ratings certainly not a bad episode I, i maintain it's just surrounded by some really good ones gonna cause some bad weight Chris, that's that's the Earth King. We have two entire episodes left of this season. Any final thoughts to wrap this episode up? Uh, no, I think it served as a good like uh, segue, really, to, to to in between the Apple Lost Days episode and really into the finale here. So I think it worked really well as a segue. It does. It connects a lot of dots for the things that are going to come or sets a lot of things in motion for things to come in a good way. And, hey, that's really it. Uh, make sure you tune in next time because we've got some pretty interesting news. Pretty excited to share. But, again, I'll try to leave you on a cliffhanger. I want to leave you wanting more, make you want to come back. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to go ahead and wrap this one up. My name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek. Very happy to be here. Thanks for watching, and tune in again soon. We will see you later. <laughs>